the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. As we head into our third hour, I am Seth Liebson. Delighted to be joined by our dear and good friend, Sam Stone. He is a uh, political consultant in town. He is, uh, among other things, also a radio host right here on 960. He has his own show on Saturdays at 3 p.m., Breaking Battlegrounds. And uh, he has a very active Twitter post, always worth watching and following, at Sam the Paul, P-O-L. How are you, Sam? I'm good, Seth. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Thank you. Uh, we were going to have dinner tonight. We were going to go to George and Dragon. You had to... Um, uh, you had to find a, you have you had to uh, delay that for other uh, Benausic duties, shall we say? But we're going to go ahead of you like the spies of yore and make sure it's still okay. So when you are freed up, you can join us the next time. Okay. Well, I, I mean, Georgian Dragon is always good, so I'm never going to complain about being invited there. But uh, life happens, yeah. business happens, sure. and it happened today. No, we get it. We get it. Uh, I've never been. I've driven by it a million times. So anyone in the audience uh, who might be listening, uh, I'm going to take uh, young David with me. And uh, perhaps uh, perhaps a law professor from ASU will join us. But, um, Sam, I, do, do you, we usually do a food review with you. We'll, we'll, we'll pause that first for the politics of the day and get through that. Um, on the politics of the day, since we last visited, Donald Trump was uh, indicted yet again, this time in the state of Georgia. I have to tell you, I think like the previous indictment, most of what you go through seems, again, to be protected activity, protected First Amendment activity, some speech, some uh, some petition of the government for a redress of grievances. It's odd that we are now making illegal the questioning of the sanctity of elections. It seems to me if that were the case, Hillary would have been indicted a long time ago. Nancy Pelosi would have been indicted a long time ago to say nothing of Stacey Abrams. But we haven't talked since this indictment came down. I was wondering what your thoughts on it were. You know, it's interesting because uh, had the prosecutor, Fannie Wilde, just focused on a very narrow case, I think they might have had probably the most realistic case against Donald Trump there in Georgia because mm -hmm. he did apply a lot of pressure. Maybe you could call it undue pressure to uh, Georgia officials. Uh, but that, you know, and, and then that could be a matter of debate for the court. But what she has done is overreach so badly that her case is even more embarrassing now than the other cases against him. I mean, she's literally indicted 19 people, says they're going to try them all at once. The charges are all over the place. Some of those people are his attorney. Right, right. Um, others are political advisors. Now, this is an incredibly dangerous thing for them to be doing, and the intent is very clear. The intent is to make sure that Donald Trump is left out to dry on his own, that no law, no good lawyer will try, will ever want to represent him or anyone else uh, in any case involving elections issues or in any case contesting the will of, of Democrats generally. Um, 
And so this is a really, this is just another absolute politicized abuse of the justice system. Uh, Two-tier justice system now is hard to deny. This is a really shameful thing that they've done in Georgia. And I hope we're going to talk about Katie Hobbs here in Arizona and and her because uh, she came out, for folks who missed it, Katie Hobbs came out and and basically told the AG, Chris Mays, here to indict Trump Mm -hmm. and follow the Georgia lawsuit. Uh, And then her staff tried to start walking it back the next day, probably because they they read into some polling and realized how ridiculous this has become. Through all of this, the interesting part is if I'm Donald Trump right now, the with the regard to these lawsuits, what I'm saying is the more the merrier. Bring it on, because every new indictment, every new charge just makes the utterly politicized nature of these prosecutions more obvious. And so in some way, they may have now moved from playing a hand they thought would be effective to overplaying that hand so badly that it backfires. I had a a phenomenally interesting conversation with my father, who is my mother's very liberal. My father has moved from, you know, progressive to being more of a libertarian. And then yeah. his later years has kind of become a, oh, just don't mess everything up kind of guy. Yeah. He had really turned against Donald Trump over the last couple of years since 2020. Mm-hmm. I talked to him this past weekend and he said, you know, unless they stop this stuff, I'm going to have to vote for Trump. Interesting. So the tipping point uh, for even the Republican base has leaked beyond the Republican base to what you might call independent voters who are beginning to sense the kind of thing that Donald Trump's base voters keep talking about, which is generally the unfairness of the system. Yeah, absolutely. And and look, you you are in a way, Fannie Wills and these other prosecutions are in a way actually legitimizing and justifying Donald Trump's claims of election interference, Mm -hmm. because if they'll go this far to prosecute Mm -hmm. him for contesting an election, Mm -hmm. what would they do to win one? Yeah, that's a great point, Sam. The use of the legal system to criminalize politics has moved in an interesting long way. I don't know if you remember during Iran-Contra, Elliot Abrams, he was Assistant Secretary of State involved in aiding the Contras and all that. He wrote a book called Undue Process about the use of politics, uh, the the use of the the legal system to criminalize politics. From there we went into, that was the late 80s, from there we went into lawfare, uh, and then from there we went into something kind of odd which is not only just abuse of process, but the criminalization of politics against only one side. I just can't think of anything similar that Republican district attorneys or Republican attorneys general or departments of justice have done because they usually follow the rules of the Department of Justice, the charging rules of the Department of Justice, not to get get involved in political questions, uh, not to interfere in elections themselves. But it's hard to look at the cases against Donald Trump right now and the timelines for the set jury trials and not see that there is political gamesmanship going on here, which amounts to actual political interference, election yeah, interference, it, election interference. Sorry, It absolutely is election interference. It, it's electioneering using the legal system yeah. in the worst possible way imaginable. And, you know, it, they scheduled the 
uh, trial for this to begin the day before Super Tuesday. Right, right. And the other uh, ones yeah. are before all the other big primaries. It's just it's yeah. one maybe you can say is a coincidence that you're going to want to move, but all four of them right before big primary dates? Yeah. Well, and we, and we talked about this, I think, maybe last week or uh-huh. the week before, but then you look at all these indictments and the announcements of them coming very routinely right on the heels of bad news for Joe Biden. Right, right. Right. Every single time something uh, something something is unveiled about Hunter Biden or a connection to Joe Biden, you just count 72 hours at most and there will be another indictment against Donald Trump. It's very or or news about the indictment of Donald Trump. Yeah, very. So, you know, you listen to your listeners, listen to my listeners, think about the people we talk to and come up to us and talk to us at receptions or, you know, at a restaurant or whatever. You know, and they have this massive amount of frustration. I, I got to tell you, the Democrats are unleashing something here, Sam, that I think is going to be hard to put back into a bottle. I think they're smashing a bottle. And once you smash a bottle, it's hard to put the genie back into it. Norms. I'm talking about norms. Yeah. It, boy, I, I had to take a deep breath before I even start to answer this. Yeah, I, didn't I know. know, I, you know. I know. Um, I know. I Look, here's. Here's something I, I replied. I don't know if you follow David Harsani yeah, um, sure. in his work, but uh, he had a tweet the other day and, you know, talking about some of this stuff and an article talking about some of this stuff. And and, and I came back on that with the comment that, you know, I, I don't think that Democrats are actually trying to start a civil war, okay. but it certainly doesn't seem like they'd mind if they did. I saw you wrote that. I liked that. They're not doing anything to try and stop one either, are they? No. I mean, this is I, I don't think that the Beltway crowd understands the deep seated level of rage and anger that they are engendering with these actions. Right. right. And, and you know, I mean, go go all the way back to the events of January 6th. Had, had the government, Nancy Pelosi, Democrats and their January 6th committee, which was totally unnecessary, but, you know, had they limited it to say, hey, look, this is a riot. It was wrong. We're going to go after the, the handful of individuals who got totally out of control. I think the average person would have looked at that and said, you know what? They did the right thing. That's OK. They're holding people accountable. Yeah. That's fine. Um, but what they did was egregious. What they did with that was egregious. And, you know, it, when it comes off the 2020 summer of love and then you're comparing the mostly peaceful burning down all our cities protests to that. It's hard to say that that somehow January 6th was worse let than me, those things. Let, let me pause on that and come back on that very that very tough point, uh, because there's a lot in what you just said. Sam Stone is my guest, and he and I will be right back. Welcome back to The Seth Leibson Show. Sam Stone is my guest, political consultant and host of his own radio show, heard here every Saturday at 3 p.m., Breaking Battlegrounds. Yeah, this weaponization of so many different things. We need a new word for weaponization. I'm getting a little tired of it, but we people know what it means, so we'll stick with it for now. So you were mentioning January 6th, Sam, and what the Democrats and the legal system and the bloody crossroads between the Democratic Party and the legal system and the hearings. And the media. Yeah, and the media. There you go. Add the third strain of the media there. They have done a very, I have to hand it to them, good job 
of tying the entire Republican Party to January 6th in a in a world of fact where every Republican anyone had ever heard of denounced January 6th, as opposed to, as you were saying earlier, what transpired during 2020, 30 people dead, billions of dollars of damage, 14,000 arrests with prominent party members involved in not only bailing it out, but justifying and encouraging it. So Mm -hmm. one day of seven hours of no loss of life except one of the protesters or rioters versus what we saw in 2020, which, by the way, let me add an appendage to that. When one of the riots took place in the home city of Nancy Pelosi and a reporter asked her about it, she simply said people will do what people will do. They were excusing it as opposed to every Republican and conservative activist I know, which denounced January 6th. But the the Democrats have done a very good job of making the entire Republican Party responsible for January 6th. And it is what really is at base of all these charges against Donald Trump. If January 6th didn't happen, I think it's an even question whether we would see these two indictments, the one from Jack Smith and the one from the Georgia District Attorney in Fulton County. I think it's an even question. I'm not sure. But it is another opportunity for them to exploit January 6th. And uh, as I say, they've done a good job with it. I, I don't know what more we can do on our side. I really don't. I'm, at, I'm, 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 I'm kind of at wit's end as to trying to figure out the best way to handle the response, except maybe to speak about it the way you did before the commercial and the way I just did over the last two minutes. Yeah, I, I think it's important to acknowledge that what, you know, that, that a lot of what happened that day was wrong. Right. I mean, I think it is important to acknowledge that, but at the same time to push back on the narrative and just say, look, when you compare the two, let's start to be real about this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, nobody was trying to burn down the Capitol. One's nobody the tricycle was... and one's the Tour de France. I mean, it's just that right. simple. Yeah. And, and so, look, you're never going to get a fair shake on any of this stuff from the media. And you're right. I, I think without January 6th, none of that would happen. And you're right that Democrats have been effective. I, I truly believe right now, had had January 6th not happened, Donald Trump runs again. He is not only the front runner like he is in the Republican Party, but he's miles in front of Joe Biden right now. Because right. I think if you if you take away the election stuff. Yeah. What really got Trump was COVID. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and people on one side who, who felt like he should have taken these European, you know, Australian, Canadian drastic actions. Um, people on another side who were saying, wait a minute, you know, he let my businesses be closed down. He let Fauci out of the box, all this thing. I think without COVID, Trump gets reelected in an absolute walk in the first place. To right? be sure. To be sure. Yes. And so I think had January 6th not happened, uh, you would absolutely, without question, see him way out in front right now. And that's really that's why Democrats are, are so crazy about this and so obsessive is because their record uh, in governance at every level, from the federal level to the states, to the cities, they've failed. Yeah, they, they, they have nothing in their policy platform that you can run on and point to and say, that's a success. That's what we do. Everything. Cra- had a lot. No, no, absolutely. And, and, and particularly on the thing that Trump had done so well at, which was the economy and national security. 
uh, two things that people easily can understand. One they feel, one is major news. And, I mean, the economy has gotten so bad that even Joe Biden is trying to rename his signature piece of legislation, right? Or at least he says he named it wrongly at the time. And no one thinks that inflation has gone down despite what Joe Biden is telling them. I saw a story from Moody's Analytics yesterday that the average person is paying $700 more a month for basic goods. Not a year, a month for basic goods. Yeah, $700 a month. This is Mark Sandy, who's not a conservative for Moody Analytics, saying this, analyzing this, since Joe Biden has become president. That's an astonishing amount of money. And the question I guess I have, Sam, and you probably understand this part of the politics better than I do, I, I'm sure you do, is, you know, you said something about the Beltway doesn't understand what's going on outside the Beltway. There are a few hints uh, that they might pick up on if they weren't so busy denouncing it. You look at things like this uh, this kind of uh, out-of-nowhere hit, Richmond, north of Richmond, by Oliver Anthony. You look at the response to Jason Aldean. They better understand something from the old Buffalo Springfield song, which is there is something happening here. There is something happening here. What it is ain't yeah, exactly you, clear. Yeah, yeah, that's a good line, Seth. <laughs> um, <laughs> Stephen Stills, not me. <laughs> Nice reference. Nice pull. You know, know, here's the interesting thing. I I posited this today on Twitter also. But um, if Richmond North of Richmond was a rap song by a black male artist who was progressive liberal in his ideology. Can you imagine? I mean, literally the take on the left, which is so angry and dismissive at this um, this ballad. They would be celebrating it. Yep. Literally the exact same word. Right. Don't change a single Not word. A word. They would yep. be celebrating yep. it. And, exactly right. and so that just shows you how out of touch they are, that they are so obsessed with identity politics. And they're so obsessed with these sort of niche interests that only matter to the extreme liberal elite that they don't understand this. And there was a great reaction uh, reaction video to that video showing people, you know, from uh, all different backgrounds yeah, reacting right, to that video. Right. And you see people, you know, every color, every yep. creed, every, you know, men, yep. women, that thing hitting them hard yep. in their souls listening yep. to that. Yep. And it touched a nerve. You know, we, we, I think there was a little burst about this in from J.D. Vance's Hillbilly Elegy yes, until they yes, realized that he was a yes, conservative yes, and then they went the other way. Yes, right? you're absolutely right. You're absolutely but, right. But there's so much pain. There's so much pain for the average American these days that they're suffering. That $700 hurts. It really hurts. Mm-hmm. And they don't understand it. And, you know, I go back, like, think about 2008, 9, 10 when the, the financial crisis caused by the housing bubble yep. collapsed, yep. it affected every part of this country except for one. Yep. Housing prices and the economy in Washington, D.C. was better from 2008 to 2010 than it had ever been before. Right. They were booming. That's right. And I remember going there in 2010. I was working a congressional race in southern Arizona. I went to D.C. with the candidate. We went around, talked to a bunch of people. And it was the first time I'd been to D.C. in a little while. And I just remember thinking, my goodness, these people have no connection it's to awful. the average American. Yeah, it's awfully None. insulated. Let me, let me pick up on that on the other side of the break. Sam Stone is my guest. He and I will be right back. 
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Sam Stone is my guest. Sam, you're talking about the insularity of Washington, D.C. It's an interesting phenomenon. It's really the most powerful uh, city in the world. People used to think it was New York. It's not. It's Washington, D.C. And you're right. There's never going to be a housing crisis there. There's only going to be more and more because there is more and more lobbying. There is more and more government employment. There's never going to be an employment crisis there. And there is this kind of built-in, as you say, almost inescapable insularity uh, for people who do make their living in Washington, D.C., that um, creates kind of a, um, what, kind of a distance and separation from the people on whose behalf they are working and theoretically arguing for. And I suppose that's kind of what's underlying Richmond of um, Richmond, north of Richmond as well. He's singing to that point, too. That is what's north of Richmond, Washington, D.C. He's talking about Gucci Gulch, or what used to be called Gucci Gulch. He's talking about all that kind of thing, and they simply don't get I'll tell you how bad it is. It's so bad that even conservative journals like the National Review have now written two screeds against those two songs, one against Richmond, north of Richmond, and one against Jason Aldean. It's really very, very odd. It's really odd, Seth. And and again, you have, even with conservative think tank and media, they yep. tend to be concentrated within the Beltway or concentrated in New York. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, it's interesting. Even the commercials they see are different. Mm-hmm. If we go back to that analogy from 2010 when I was yep. there, one of the things that struck me is when I turn on the TV at night, um, most of the ads, it's funny when you're in D.C., the unions in particular yep. run ads yep. that are literally meant for 435 people. Correct. That's right? correct. Um, so that was what they were seeing was ads for, oh, we need more government spending for transit and we need more government spending for this, that and the other. You know what ads you were seeing if you were out in the rest of the country? You were seeing uh, lawyers mm-hmm. ads yes. saying, hey, yes. if if you're facing consequences right. for your debt, right. for your uh, bankruptcy, for your loss of your home, we can help you. Yep, 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 yep. That's exactly right. That's that that Sam, you put your finger on it. You put your finger on it. And so the question then naturally becomes, if you look at the Republican lineup, who's going to be on the stage August 23rd, uh, who grasps this the best? Who speaks to this the best at this point? That's an interesting one, because in some sense, Trump speaks to them the best. And I don't think he's actually going to be on that stage. Right. I think Um, think both of those things are true. Yeah. You know, and um, he had an interesting statement the other day. He said, you know, I'm up 40 points and they're not stupid people. Why would I do it? (laughs) I I would not advise him to go on there. if If I were on his payroll, which I'm not, if I were his advisor, which I'm not, I would say there's no reason to. There's, you know, let them all go after your number two, which is to stand. Let him take the heat rather than you. What 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 advantage is there from his lights in doing it? I don't see it. Yeah, I I don't see an upside for him to do it. I don't either. For him, I, I, I think he shouldn't do it, quite frankly. If I was advising him, I agree with you, Seth. I'd say the same thing. Um, you know, but but one of his secrets is that he does seem to get this stuff intuitively. And maybe that's from a lifetime of dealing with construction workers and and folks like that. Right. Where you, you, you get a little more of a taste of what like real they America said about like. Ronald Reagan touring all the GE plants. Right. Yeah. That kind yeah. of thing. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's one of the problems, for instance, for Doug Burgum, who's spending a ton of money right now. Yep. 
and who's a congenial guy with a great record, um, he doesn't come come off as connected to that type of person, nope. nor do any of the others in particular. They really don't. No, 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 they really don't. Um, and you know who's been kind of quiet lately? It's kind of interesting. Um, I, I I thought we were gonna. I thought we'd see a lot of number increases for Tim Scott. He's been. It seems like it's gone a little quiet there lately. It's all about Vivek these days. I, I think Vivek has really done a great job of. You know, he does what I like the most as a deep policy guy, right? He, yep. He'll just go in on air and riff about anything. You yep. ask him a question, he'll answer it. Sometimes yep. the answers are a little ridiculous. But but it's not without brain behind it. He has studied no. up on it. Yeah. yeah. And so, and, and I really love that. And I think that makes for great news and it's entertaining and all that sort of thing. And I think there's a, another sort of hidden element to this, which is the Democrat media, the, the media industrial complex. Of all the people in that field, the one they do not want to give any momentum to at all is Tim Scott. Yeah, no, he is their nightmare. That's absolutely right. They saw what he did on The View, and he is their absolute nightmare. He will drive them insane, which is another good reason to maybe think about him if you're not going with one of the others. Sam, let me come right back with you on a matter of local interest that um, you don't know about, uh, but uh, I want to share with you. Sam Stone is my guest. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Sam Stone has been my guest. He's a political consultant in town and uh, host of his own show, heard here every Saturday at 3 p.m., Breaking Battlegrounds. Follow him on Twitter at Sam the Paul P-O-L. Sam, I went to a uh, very emotional ceremony today uh, at a church in um, in Phoenix, which was a uh, uh, the uh, the graduation of 23 new police recruits for the city of Phoenix. Uh, that just graduated the police academy. Uh, one of them is the son of someone you and I both know. First name is Jeff, and uh, it was it was um, just such a beautiful, beautiful thing to watch. There were twenty three graduates of the academy in uh, in this graduating class, Sam, and there must have been friends and family, and I'm guessing mostly family. Um, noontime hot. Outside must have been about 250 people. You just think about the kind of surrounding of that part of the community that most people hopefully don't have to interact with, but neither do they appreciate fully either. It, it was a um, the word the word emotional and beautiful keeps coming back. The, um, the their their lead trainer was talking about those 23 graduates of the police academy today, Sam, and he was giving a little background on each of them, and he said one of them is the child of a person who's been arrested six times and uh, our mutual friend yelled out seven (laughs) 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 and i i I can't i cannot i i just can't get in the head or the soul of our friend who um went through that ordeal of you know his younger and more vulnerable years as scott Fitzgerald might say only to now see his son becoming a cop, too. Our friend Jeff says the police, you know, saved his life, and he he saw the light because he saw the law. But uh, 23 graduates, kind of interesting. 250 people there, friends and family, probably mostly family. I I just wanted to share it it with you. Anyway, whatever you want to say. You know, to every one of those 23 people, thank you. Yep. Right. Um, Thank you for stepping up to take on this job, because not enough people want to do it right now. 
Um, unfortunately, you know, you, you, we brought in 23. We probably lost 40 or 50 this month um, just because of retirements yep. and that sort of thing. It's, yep. it's ongoing a loss and drain. So we need every one of those folks and, yep. and thank every one of them. Yep. Um, but secondly, yeah, Jeff's story is important um, because if he tells you and the honest people in the homeless services community as the honest people in the drug addiction uh, prevention community will tell you the idea that sending someone to jail for those things is a terrible thing to do, like Democrats want to say, is totally wrong. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they, we have to have mechanisms to start getting these people cleaned out. And I think it would be much better to lower the bar on non-criminal uh, placement in inpatient treatment. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to see us do something that allowed, you know, For instance, if someone's been to the hospital three or four times in a calendar year for ODs and drug-related complications, that we can go ahead and place them in an inpatient treatment facility. Different kind of diversionary thoughts. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, yeah, I would love to. Diversionary action, sorry. Mm -hmm. But until we we do, the police are are the last line of of hope. Not the last line of defense for the rest of us. They're the last line of hope for those folks who are in these conditions because— the only real chance they have is to run into an officer who puts them in jail and and they get a chance to, to, like Jeff did, start getting cleaned up, get their life back on track. Now, as you and I know, we need to do a lot more. We need to do a lot better with our anti-recidivism programs. When people are leaving jail, we fail them badly. Yes. But that's actually a pretty solvable problem. I mean, it really isn't that hard to to help people with the transition out of jail. We know what works. Yep. Yep. And so we need to start doing that. Society needs to step up there. But otherwise, we need to use every tool we have, and that's going to include the criminal justice system. I was down uh, around the homeless service campus, the zone today. It's about the third of size of what it was. Yeah. But the city of Phoenix just went through this huge thing where they tried to build a structured camping. They spent a bunch of money on it. They knew it was a contaminated site before they started trying to do this. They spent all this money. They got up to the deadline the judge had given them to to build this facility and get these people out of the zone. And then they said, oh, sorry, we're going to have to scrap this and come up with a new plan. Um, Look, until Democrats get serious about dealing with this problem— The police are all we have, the the last line for any of us. It's the last line of hope for the people on the streets. It's the last line of defense for the citizens. We need to do a much better job of supporting them. Nicely said. Uh, One of the people who spoke there, I think it was uh, Councilwoman, if I'm not mistaken, Uh, one of the uh, – what she said in her opening remarks, welcoming the community, excuse me, what she said was – these 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 young men and women um they signed up for a duty to protect us and their community for everyone else in the audience not walking across that stage it's our duty to protect them i liked that the idea of our job is to protect them too you know i'm gonna guess that was probably ann o'brien it was it was yeah uh i mean i can literally tell you who that was by just hearing those words from the council because ann I disagree with on lots of things. Yeah. I, I think she's been far too cozy with the mayor, but on policing, she's been strong. And she shows a way for people who come, you know, not from a super conservative perspective to still have respect for law enforcement and the understanding that we need 
uh, police and we need laws and they have to be enforced. And one of the things I was thinking about, Seth, apropos of nothing, I guess, but, you know, we, we made this deal essentially when we legalized marijuana and we, we, what we told ourselves and what, what the advocates for that told the public was, hey, we're going to do this. Cops aren't going to be running around dealing with these minor weed violations anymore. So we can really focus on the, the, more, the, the hard drugs and the serious crimes. Well, then we legalize weed and we say, well, we're not going to focus on the hard drugs and serious crimes anymore either. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. We're, we're just giving away our No, society. it's a vortex. We're throwing it away. No, absolutely. It's a vortex. Sam, I always love catching up with you, brother. We'll miss you at dinner tonight, but we'll reschedule it for next week. Okay, brother? Indeed, Seth. All right. God bless you and Godspeed. Be well and be safe. And thanks for always being with us. I'm Seth Leaps, and I'll come back with a last thought. You got your bank failures, you have stock market volatility, you have the speculation on a recession in the offing, you know you have inflation. What if you could invest in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to any of that, not the Federal Reserve, not the stock market? Why Refi has that. They have an investment in a portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises. You can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio that delivers an up to 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Why Refi is a due diligence approved firm, and you can visit them. They're based here locally. Um, they encourage it. They're on Scottsdale Road in the 101. I've been there. You won't get a sales pitch. No one's going to ask you to sign a thing. But when you meet with the team at Y-Refi, you'll see why I like and trust them so much. And you will and can, too. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-34. 888-Y-REFI-34. Just thinking about that beautiful ceremony of police uh, academy graduates uh, today, those wonderful 23. Um, I'll close with something I quoted in my opening uh, from G.K. Chesterton, always a good person to quote. The romance of police activity keeps in some sense before the mind the fact that civilization itself is the most sensational of departures and the most romantic of rebellions. By dealing with the unsleeping sentinels who guard the outposts of society, it tends to remind us that we live in an armed camp, making war with a chaotic world, and that the criminals, the children of chaos, are nothing but the traitors within our gates. The burglars and footpads are happy in the immemorial respectability of apes and wolves. The romance of the police force is thus the whole romance of man. It is based on the fact that morality is the most dark and daring of conspiracies. It reminds us that the whole noiseless and unnoticeable police management by which we are ruled and protected is only a successful night errantry. Uh, yes, as the councilwoman said, because they protect us, it's our duty to protect them too. It's a lot of things we ought to be protecting, a lot Let's think about our job as protectors by just being good citizens. 
protectors of things in our language, protectors of notions, protectors of civility, and yes, protectors of those night errants. For David Dahl and myself, I'm Seth Leibson. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. Class dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.